We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. This is the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Goes mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Gray Bar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Let's go. Now from Cardinal Spring Training in Jupiter, Florida, and the DR Hughes Homes Broadcast Center. Once again, Matt Pauley. We are into hour number two of Sports Open Line here on KMOX, broadcasting from the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center in Jupiter and Cardinals Spring Training again coming up on Saturday. Cardinals have their first spring training game, first Grapefruit League game. They match up against the Nationals here in Jupiter at Roger Dean Stadium, and you'll be able to hear all the action here on KMOX and across the Cardinals radio network. Uh, There's going to be a total of 15 games during the spring that we air here on KMOX, and then we're going to have another nine games that are going to be uh, streaming only at MLB.com and Cardinals.com. So uh, in all, you're going to have many opportunities to listen to the Cardinals. Also, you'll be able to watch the Cardinals a fair amount as well on uh, Bally Sports Midwest. I saw something on Twitter that I thought was really interesting. And uh, if if you are active on social media, active on Twitter, you probably saw it as well. It It, it, it got a lot of attention earlier today. Uh, Ryan Thompson is a pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays, and he went through the arbitration process. Now, we've spent a fair amount of time talking about arbitration lately. Uh, It all started when Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers was incredibly unhappy with the things that were said about him inside of the arbitration hearing by the Brewers uh, when they went to arbitration over a pretty small amount of money. Uh, And then a day or so later, we heard from Ryan Helsley, who also lost his arbitration case, uh, lost it against the Cardinals. He didn't come out, you know, guns ablaze in the way Corbin Burns did. But certainly you could tell there were some things that were said in the hearing by the Cardinals that uh, Helsley was not super happy with. Not many people understand the arbitration process, don't understand what's going on. Just there's a lot of murkiness to it for a lot of fans. And honestly, I think there's a fair amount of fans who don't even care. Like the, the the business side of it doesn't really interest you. But I, I talk about it a lot because I think it's really bad for baseball. I think it's horrible for the sport that we have a system where players and executives go into a room together and the executives, the, the individuals who the players should feel like absolutely have their back at all times – are sitting there saying bad things about them and saying why they don't deserve to get paid the amount of money that they uh, that they put in for. I just think it's a I think it's a horrible situation. I don't think there's a lot of 
real world instances where that happens. There are some. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in, in some other industries, uh, but it's just not. It's just a bad. It's just a bad situation. So that's nothing new. Here's the new part. Ryan Thompson put together a Twitter thread. If you want to see it, uh, he's he's on Twitter at rthompson15. Again, he's a pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. And I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of the business side of baseball. I've been working around baseball for a fair amount of time. There were some things that were said inside of this tweet that actually surprised me a little bit. So it's a it's a long tweet. We it it'd be a little bit dry and it'd be too long to like read through this and, and go through everything that was said. But there are a few main points that I found to be interesting and not real good, to be perfectly honest with you. So uh, Thompson did go through. There are six criteria that uh, you are supposed to uh, use or the, 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 the people on the panel, the, ar- the arbiters, are supposed to use when making a decision. And the uh, criteria is platform year contribution, so what you did that past season, career and consistency contribution, so going beyond that year, uh, record of past compensation, uh, comparable baseball salary, so you compare yourself to other players in baseball uh, and, and how much they make, uh, existence of any physical or mental defects, and then recent uh, performance record of the club. So that's you are supposed to when you're arguing each side of the case, you're supposed to stick within uh, that that criteria. Or I guess you should stick to it because the people who are making the decision are supposed to make the decision based upon those uh, six things. So that's what Ryan Thompson did and his representation did as they put together uh, their case. The thing that floored me that I that I and I, look, I understand you're going into arbitration, you're going into a hearing. Um, there, this, the people who are hearing it don't come from a baseball world, but Tom, I'll I'll read one of his tweets. He says, we had to assume the arbitrators were savvy enough to understand basic rules and statistics. I believe that assumption was incorrect. So what Thompson, and to be perfectly honest with you, I have never, I have never once thought about the backgrounds of these people who are he- hearing uh, these hearings that they're that, that are making these decisions, I've never once thought about their backgrounds and what they should be familiar with and, and things like that. And when I read that from Thompson, first off, I thought to myself, I probably should have been thinking about this uh, before today. But just the idea that you're going into this and the people who are hearing your case, you don't know if they know anything about baseball. So how do you? How do you argue for yourself when you, because I mean, it's to a much lesser degree, but as I'm talking on this show, when I'm doing pre and post games and and things like that, I have to be careful on some of the terminology that I use. Like I can, I can make the assumption that people listening to this show or people listening to a Cardinals post game show can understand baseball card numbers batting average, home runs, RBIs, win-loss, ERA, things like that. What about when we get to just that next level of statistic when we're talking about an OPS, which I use a lot, or a whip for pitchers, things things like that. That's something where there's probably people listening right now who don't completely understand what those things are. Even though they are, they're, they're fairly simplistic in what they are, 
they're not the common numbers that people who have grown up with baseball and been around, those aren't the first numbers that have historically been mentioned. So people don't always know what they are. And even if you hear the number and kind of know what it is, well, is that a, is that a good OPS? Is that a bad OPS? Like you're a batting average, you know that 300 is a good batting average. Well, OPS, well, what's the, what's the line between good and bad and elite and horrible and things like that? So I think we're still in a place right now for fans. They're, they're getting used to this terminology and knowing what's good and what's not good here. They're trying to talk to people to make a decision on how much you're going to get paid for the year. And there might not be an understanding of what's going on. Uh, he mentioned a little bit about what the Rays did, and he didn't put out this tweet to put the blast, you know, put the Rays on blast. In fact, at the beginning of it, um, he said there's absolutely no ill will towards the Rays, and they were as professional as respectful as possible considering the circumstances. But he did mention the fact that the Rays did a really good job of discrediting holds and leverage, which if you're a middle reliever, Holds is a really important thing, and pitching in leverage situations, that's really, really important, and Thompson did a pretty good job with that, and the Rays were able to discredit that. So even though from a baseball standpoint, when the Rays are going about playing baseball, they are going to utilize him in those roles, they are going to value him because of his success when it comes to going into a boardroom and arguing against what he should make they are then going to discredit the impact of those numbers. So it's two very different things. You are governing the decisions that you make on a baseball field uh, with one set of numbers. And then when it comes to how you want to tell somebody how you should evaluate the player, well, you're using a different set of numbers. So that's interesting that they did that because clearly those two things are not aligned uh, whatsoever. Uh, he mentioned the fact that they uh, said that uh, his lack of uh, left-handed usage or against left-handed usage is something that uh, they used a lot of. Well, his career numbers against lefties pretty good. He's, uh, lefties have just a 214 average against him. However, because of the Rays' projections, they don't use him as much against left-handers. So they were able to basically take the decisions that they've made by not using him against lefties and then turn that into he's not good against lefties, even though career numbers say he actually is good um, against lefties. They mentioned blown saves. And for a middle reliever, a blown save is nothing. Now, the, the only... The only position, the only relief pitcher that a blown save is a really big deal on is a closer. You can get a blown save for weird reasons and weird things happening in the in the seventh inning or the sixth inning of a game. Like it's just not something that when we're talking about middle relievers, we don't really look at at, at blown saves. But uh, the Rays evidently used. Uh, blown saves. They used another stat. They used a meltdown stat, which is something that um, is is out there a little bit. That's obviously not an official major league stat, uh, but it is out there. It's a fan graphs metric referred to as meltdowns. And Thompson believes that the Rays purposely used some of these numbers, blown saves, meltdowns, things like that, just because of how bad they sound. Like they sound like really uh, bad numbers. So they use them almost as shock value for uh, more than anything else, which I, I found to be interesting. And then the last thing is uh, the people making the decision 
before they even render their decision, they're allowed to get on their phones, they're allowed to go to the hotel bar, things like that. And he just mentioned the fact that it felt like a, a very uncomfortable situation uh, that you don't really know who's talking to them, what's being said, what they're really looking up, and then there doesn't have to be any explanation at the end of it. The, the decision is made. There's no explanation on the decision. You know, in most things in this world, when a big decision is made, there's a reasoning. If you are uh, a, a high judge and you make a decision, you write the reason, you, you and that doesn't exist in that. So it's a really interesting thread. It just continues to... Uh, back up my idea that this is a horrible, horrible process and Major League Baseball absolutely needs to find a way to get arbitration out of the game. All right, when we come back, we're going to be joined by John Denton. He covers the Cardinals for uh, MLB.com and Cardinals.com. We've got a lot to get to with John. He joins us next. We are at uh, we are in Jupiter. We're uh, inside of the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center, and we're back with more in just a moment. This is a Gray Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hi, it's Matt Pauley. I'm in Jupiter, Florida, covering Cardinal Spring Training. Stay up to date with my reports from Redbirds Camp, mornings and afternoons, and sports open line weeknights from the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center. Spring Training coverage, sponsored in part by Norm's Bargain Barn. On your home of the Cardinals, KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue. We are broadcasting in Jupiter, Florida from the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center. We're very happy right now to uh, talk to a guy who covers the Cardinals for MLB.com. He's John Denton. You follow him on Twitter at John Denton 555 John, thanks for the time. How are you? My pleasure, Matt. Thanks for having me. What uh, We'll just start very broad. What has jumped out at you here in the first two or so weeks of spring training? Well, I think we all know that this is a bounce-back season for a lot of Cardinals. Like, I think it's intriguing what's going to happen in, in the outfield. Like, The Cardinals need a bounce-back season from Tyler O'Neill. They need a bounce-back season from, from Dylan Carlson. You know, I'm very intrigued by that. Can, can, can Paul DeYoung save his career and have a bounce-back season? Can Tommy Edmond get back to being the guy who hit 305 as a rookie and high 300s OPS or uh, on-base percentage as opposed to the guy who hit 260 the last few years? I think Tommy Edmond is a superstar in this league, and 
you know, if they can get those sort of bounce backs, if they can get, you know, if they can get that and maybe mix in a Jordan Walker too, get a bounce back from Jack Flaherty as well. He just popped in my head. You get those sort of things, then you're back in serious contingent for that World Series. It feels like it's an organization that is very confident that they're going to get at least a handful of those bounce backs. Yeah, that was, you know, that was kind of the message when they had the first team meeting on Monday. Uh, you know, John Mazalak said the people in this room, you know, we could have brought more people in. We could have added to it. We believe in the people in this room. And, you know, I, I think they looked at it and the guys that were on the market were not better than Tyler O'Neill. The guys on the market were not better than Dylan Carlson. They weren't first, first round draft picks like him, you know, and, if if they can get the 2019 Jack Flaherty, if they can get the the eight and one guy who started 2021 from Jack Flaherty, if Jack Flaherty is their ace, that's a good news for the Cardinals. Cardinals will be a championship contending team if Jack Flaherty is their ace. If he's their third or fourth pitcher, you know maybe they're they're a team that's going might struggle to get out of the first round. But if Jack Flaherty, I think he's the biggest X factor in that whole locker room. If Jack Flaherty is their ace, they could be a team that could contend. What do you make of Tyler O'Neill getting the opportunity to, to go out and, and compete for the starting center field position. Well, their manager is a self-described competition junkie, <laughs> and he's told those guys, Tyler O'Neill, you need to wake up every single day saying, I'm going to keep my job. And he's told Jordan Walker, every single day you need to wake up saying, I'm going out to take somebody's job. And he made that clear to the whole bunch. And, you know, I think that's why they're in center. That's why Tyler's in center field now. He's, Tyler's fighting for his job. He's fighting for a center field job, a left field job. You know, if you look at it, there's three guys who are the, the leaders, the incumbents, Lars Newbar, Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill. But then there's that six foot five guy who's coming in the minor leagues, and we all know his name. Alec Burleson, Juan Yepes are all pushing for time. They all know that there's a, there's a battle for positions here. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because when – when I heard about O'Neill being in center field, the first thing I thought to myself was they're putting together multiple solutions to the Jordan Walker problem and problem in a good way that if you, if Walker makes the team, he has to play every day. Well, if he has to play every day, then what is that outfield alignment going to look like? If a Tyler O'Neill can go play center field, it makes things maybe a little bit easier. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And hey, if Dylan Carlson hits right-handed, that's what he did last year. If he doesn't hit left-handed like he did in last year, you need multiple center fielders. And they have three guys who can do that. And you're also about to lose Tyler O'Neill to Team Canada. Uh, Large Newbar is about to leave to go to Team Japan for the WBC. So they want to see all three of those guys play. And like you said, if you can find the center fielder, then you can build around that. If you know who your center fielder is, then if Jordan Walker goes out and hits 12 home runs in the spring – if Moises Gomez hits 10 home runs in the spring, then you filter in the spots. But you want to know who your center filter is first and foremost. So yesterday on a countdown to opening day, Mike Claiborne said he's ready to see something more than guys playing catch. And I know we <laughs> it's only been a few days since the first full squad workout. I don't know about you. I'm I'm ready to see more than live BP. I'm yeah. looking forward to Saturday and seeing what some of these guys do against guys wearing a different jersey. Yeah, it's, you know, the games matter. The games are going to matter. The games are going to tell you, you know, Paul DeYoung can hit eight home runs in live BP, but is he going to hit in games? You know, is, is Jordan Walker going to hit the other teams pitching in games? Is Tyler O'Neill going to stay healthy in games? That's going to give you the real picture of the team that will head north uh, you know, on on the 27th, the, the final spring game. Paul DeYoung is obviously going to be given 
every opportunity to make this team. You look at what, what he gets paid. You look at his major league pedigree. You look at all that. At the same time, he's not going to make the team if his production level is what it was to last year. And for people listening who don't know the whole background, he essentially came to Jupiter almost as soon as the season ended last year, and he rebuilt his swing. He used the film. He used the data. He used every tool that the Cardinals had for him and tried to rebuild the swing. And just now on the first full squad workout day was the first time he really started facing uh, live hitting. It's 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 riveting. It's compelling. It's it's very interesting to watch this whole thing play out. Yeah. You know, I I get the backlash from fans. There are fans out there right now who are putting their fingers in their ears. They don't yeah. want to hear it. They've given up on Paul DeYoung. You know, if, if that's the case, you know, you made your decision. But that guy has put in more work than anybody on this team. Like you said, he's reworked his swing. He has a minimal stride thing now going on. He's a lot more balanced. He's on time. Uh, you know, with that high leg kick, he would get himself off stride. Uh, breaking pitches would mess him up. He's put in the work. He's going to get so many at-bats. He may get 100 at-bats this spring. Like He's going to play second. He's going to play short. He's going to play third. Those guys are going to be gone to the WBC. So it's there for Paul. And even if Paul doesn't make the Cardinals, there are other teams that are interested in him because he's a near-goal-glove caliber shortstop. He's just got to hit the ball. And, you know, you're, you're pulling for a guy who puts in the work. Like we all know, Paul DeYoung is a super, super classy number one human being. You kind of hope it happens for him, considering how much work he's put in. Continuing to uh, talk with John Denton, covers the Cardinals for MLB.com, Cardinals.com. We are uh, coming your way from the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center in Jupiter. Yeah, you mentioned maybe another team makes sense because, okay, let's let's go to like a hypothetical world. If, if it really works and he looks like he's the hitter that he was previously or even more, it's great to have that in a Paul DeYoung, but... I don't think he's going to supplant Tommy Edmond. I don't think they're going to put Edmond back at second to put him at shortstop. Like those things just seem very unlikely. All of a sudden, you might really be able to get something for somebody like that. Yeah, and there was a lot of movement this summer, Matt. I mean, if you think about the shortstops moved around, what if what if uh, Grissom falls flat on his face in Atlanta? What if there's a major injury? What if Trevor Story, you know, has got the so he's got to have arm surgery already? There's going to be an injury. There's going to be a shortstop that goes down. You know, there's John Mazalak told us at the winter meetings in San Diego, he was even surprised how many teams were calling asking about Paul DeYoung. And, you know, if Paul goes out and has a big spring, you know, like you said, he's not going to supplant Tommy Edmond, but maybe he plays every third day or fourth day here. Or maybe another team says, hey, we'll give you a top prospect. We'll give you a draft pick for Paul DeYoung. Because, like I said, you know he's going to play really good defense. If he can hit the ball too, his value goes up even higher. Another guy who has major league pedigree but did not have the season he would have liked last year. And his role is kind of up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen with Dakota Hudson. If if all five starters for the Cardinals are healthy on opening day, and that rarely happens. Very yeah. few teams have all five starters on, on opening days. Things generally tend to happen during spring training. If that happens, I have no clue what Hudson's mm-hmm. role is going to be. Yeah. It's a benefit to have him, but at the same time, he it's for him personally, he's got to go to bed at night not really knowing what, what, what it looks like for him. Yeah, it's it's a tough spot for Dakota. You know, another ace top guy, uh, you know, great, great, great family man. You're pulling for him. He came into camp looking great. He's throwing the ball hard again. A lot of these pitchers, you know, fans are quick to give up on guys. This is year two after Tommy John. If you look at guys, year one is kind of rocky. Year two is when they come back and they get the, the bite and the pop on their fastball. It's a big year for Dakota. 
I think it comes down to do you want Dakota Hudson or Drew Verhagen on the roster? And Verhagen's looked really good this year. You know, one of both of those guys can't be on the roster. It's got to almost be one or the other. Do you take one of them and send them to Memphis and break glass in case of necessary, or do you try to trade them and see what you can get for them? I was thinking about this the other day. It's interesting how, like with the Jordan Walker, if Walker makes the team, he's playing every day. Mm-hmm. Position players, prospect position players, uh, you don't have on your roster to be a fifth outfielder or utility infielder, thing like that. But with pitchers, sometimes when it comes to starters, there's more allowance to have somebody in the big league bullpen as compared to the AAA starting rotation. And obviously it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, but I do find it interesting that a lot of major league organizations are more willing to put uh, starters in the bullpen Mm -hmm. when they're young guys as opposed to just automatically sending them to Memphis the way you would do with a Jordan Walker. Yeah, I mean, uh, think about a guy like Andre Pallante last year. Like his versatility, rare is it a rookie of you know gets called up and doesn't ride the Memphis train back and forth and gets sent down. Andre Pallante didn't get sent down all last year, and you know why? Because he can start, because he can throw high leverage innings, he can throw multiple innings, and he also gets left-handers out. When you make yourself that versatile, it, it increases your value at the major league level. And if Dakota Hudson or Drew Verhagen can start, long relief, can go in and get you an inning, multiple innings, that makes their value more. That's how you make an MLB roster when the, you know, when the numbers start running out. I thought you had an interesting line of questioning today with Oliver Marmel, and for folks listening, you'll hear some of those answers in our next segment, uh, but talked about the catcher's impact on stopping the run game mm-hmm. now that pitchers can't throw over to first as often, and whether it is a pickoff play, whether it's uh, a pitch out, there is a lot more pressure on catchers now to limit would-be base stealers, and Wilson Contreras is a pretty good guy to have in that area. Yeah, definitely. You know, If you look at the new rules that are coming into place this year, those were put into place last season in AAA. Stolen base attempts went up 26% in AAA from 2020 to 2021. Um, so, you know, look at, you know, if, if Major League Baseball numbers go up 26%, you better have a catcher who can throw people out. Since Wilson Contreras came into baseball, he leads all MLB catchers in, in, in pickoffs. Uh, he's picked off 25 guys, and the number two is 13. So, you know, he's a guy who throws behind runners, He's a guy who's got a good arm. You know, is he Yachty Molina? No. Uh, you know, for the next 162 games, we're going to be like, you know, what what would Yachty have done? Every fan that's ever watched the Cardinals is going to compare Wilson to Yachty, even though that's not fair. Is he Yachty? No. But he's got a heck of an arm, uh, and he can throw guys out. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I think, Sam, I, I didn't really think about it much until today, and I've been thinking about it throughout throughout the day when you've got that two-time throw-over situation, so then all of a sudden the runner at first can feel comfortable taking that big lead, especially if you've got a high velo guy on the mound, mm-hmm. you've got to think there's going to be some opportunities for the catcher to throw behind the runner at first. As Wilson pointed out to me today, there's no limit on pickoff throws. Yeah. So the catcher can throw over there as many times as he wants, and that's a way to give your pitcher a blow. You know, If you, if you see your pitcher struggling, throw, try a pickoff throw to first and you know give him another 10 seconds or something like that. So... You know, he's a guy who's going to throw behind runners and, you know, that he wants that planted in runners' heads that, hey, here's a catcher who's going to be trying to throw behind me if I get off the base too much. Last thing for you, because we're talking about the rules changes, so you can own limited throws over to first. The balk rule is going to be more enforced, and then we have the bases, we have the uh, limit on the uh, overshift, and obviously the pitch clock. 
That's a lot of change in one year. That's a lot (laughs) of change. Usually baseball is like, you know, they'll introduce one rule and it takes forever to get used to it. I mean, they're hitting, they're hitting fans and players with all these rules at once. And, you know, I'm, I'm in big time favor of some of them. Some of them I'll, you know, we'll see how it works out. I like picking up the pace in games. Like nobody likes to watch people step off. Nobody Mm -hmm. likes to watch people throw to first base again and again. So, you know, the, the stats show, in major in minor league baseball, games were twenty five minutes shorter on average. Uh, you know that's I've never sat in a in a in a baseball stadium and said, "Man, I wish this game would hurry up and end up." You know, but if you're at home, if you got kids, if you got to be up the next morning, hey, twenty five minutes is is pretty valuable. It absolutely is. He's John Denton. What do you have uh, coming up uh, at Cardinals.com? You know, I'm working on a story about Dylan Carlson. It's going to be out later today. Uh, the Cardinals have Dylan Carlson eating eating 4,500 4, calories a day. He's up 14 pounds over where he was last season. He's on a lifting program. He's basically eating two breakfasts, two lunches, a dinner, and then a protein shake before bed. That's kind of what Matt and I, that's, that's kind of our <laughs> diet for a day. But uh, he's up 14 pounds. His strength is up. He wants to get back to being that guy who drives the ball drives the ball in the gap for doubles. So great story. I, you know, Dylan's one of those guys that he's, he's a good guy and a lot of talent there. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. That's John Denton. He covers the Cardinals for MLB.com and Cardinals.com. You can follow him on Twitter at John Denton 555. We'll take a break as we continue to broadcast from the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center in Jupiter, the site of Cardinals Spring Training. When we come back, we'll hear from uh, manager Oliver Marmel. We'll uh, play some of what he had to say this morning to uh, us during his uh, daily media session. That's up next. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. Let's go. Now from Cardinal Spring Training in Jupiter, Florida, and the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center. Once again, Matt Pauley. Sports Open Line continues here on KMOX as we continue to broadcast from the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center in Jupiter at Cardinals Spring Training. If you're just now tuning in the program, you've missed a lot. Hour number one, we had uh, Evan Drellick from The Athletic on to uh, talk about his new book and the Astros cheating scandal and the connections to uh, the Cardinals and that. Also in hour number one, we had the uh, brand new athletic director from uh, SIUE on, Andrew Gavin. He was officially uh, announced uh, earlier today. He's a guy I've known for a really, really long time. I'm excited for him uh, moving into that position. And uh, then in our last segment, Uh, We had uh, John Denton from uh, MLB.com and Cardinals.com. So if you ever miss any of that, you can always find the podcast at uh, KMOX.com, also on the Odyssey app. It is that time of the day where we go back through what was said earlier in the day by Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel. He meets with the media on an everyday basis, and uh, each day we tend to have um, a handful of topics that we get his thoughts on. And uh, there are a few things that they got to today. I thought one of the most interesting uh, topics was just what the Cardinals are going to do in terms of DH and the different candidates that they have to DH. Now, there are clearly going to be opportunities that they will take to use a a Paul Goldschmidt or a Nolan Arenado as the DH for a day just to get them off their feet. But obviously, that's not an everyday sort of thing. So who are the candidates to be the DH a lot? We talk about Nolan Gorman. 
We probably talk about Juan Yepes, talk about Alec Burleson. Those are guys who could end up uh, in that DH spot. And as uh, Marmel opened up talking about specifically those uh, three players, uh, he said that uh, those players definitely are showing that they are ready for a bigger role on this team. Uh, I think they've already started to do that. A big part of, and I'll specifically to Gorman, I'll start with him, was come back and look different. Like your swing has to be able to handle certain pitches. Excuse me. That you weren't able to handle last year, and we've seen that. We've seen his ability to do that. So now, how it plays out throughout the course of spring, we'll continue to evaluate. Um, Yeppe's done a lot of work um, to be able to, like, one his body to, of being in shape, which we're we're happy with how he came in, um, but also having a routine that he can stick to that's going to allow him to like not have as much ups and downs, but have some consistency to his day to day. So. We've already seen that, which is so they've responded well to what we've tasked them with. So, yeah, I think they're going to have to continue to show it, but they've already shown a little bit of it. Yeah, he did uh, speak specifically about uh, a couple of those players. Let's tar- start with uh, uh, Burleson and Gorman. As he said, those two guys both had very, very good developmental years last season. Burleson is a solid hitter. He knows what he's doing in the box. Um, what we saw at the end of the last year compared to what he's capable of doing is not even close, in my opinion. And Gorman looks like a different hitter. So when you buy yourself another year to give them that opportunity to break camp in those positions, I think we're, they're much better suited for it. And then when speaking about Juan Yepes, he said Yepes, a very different player this spring compared to where he was at just one year ago. You look at Yepi this year compared to when he came into camp last year, and you're looking at performance, but you're also looking at a lot of different things of how they're responding to just the daily work, how they're responding to certain routines, how committed and um, dedicated they are to the, those routines, um, how good they are at coming up with some of those on their own, um, how they respond to failure and different things that are coming their way throughout the course of spring training. And once we got to the point where we realized, man, this guy would really benefit from a little bit more time in AAA, um, that's when those calls were made with Dickerson and with, with Albert. The whole point of doing that is buying them time to get to where you can come into spring here and see a completely, I had a really good meeting with Yepi um, in the morning. And uh, it's just a different level of maturity. And that's what our minor league staff and our big league staff is there for is like putting a progression together so that you're not having the same conversation a year later. We're not having the same conversation. So they're ready for that. Maybe you don't look at those players as being part of the, uh, the key core for the Cardinals. And I absolutely think someone like Nolan Gorman could be, I think he's got 30 home run potential, but no matter what those guys, how they're viewed, uh, he made it very clear that whoever they use to DH is going to be expected to produce in that spot. I want that position to be extremely productive and not like a learning experience. And that's what you buy yourself a year and have an Albert and Dickerson last year in order to not, for that not to be the case this year. My hope is that whoever wins that job from the right and left side, if we continue however it looks, that out the gate they're productive. And while those players might get a good number of at-bats DHing, uh, at the same time, all of them, um, Burleson, Gorman, uh, Yepes, they are all going to have fielding roles. Yep, he spent a lot of his time trying to improve his defense. There's no secret that it's not his strength. Um, he knows that, and he went about it in a way where it was a it was a focus for him, um, both infield and outfield. Um, and and any time you make something important, you improve at it. And, and we're going to see improvements from him. Burleson's no different. And um, I've got zero issues with 
with Gorman's ability to play the infield. Another conversation uh, that was had, and we alluded to this when we were talking with uh, John Denton in our last segment, just the idea that catchers this year can have a really big role in uh, stopping the opponent's run game because pitchers are not going to throw over to first as often. There's a rule now how many times you can throw over there. And if there are a couple pickoff attempts from the pitcher, all of a sudden you would think that the runner at first might take an even bigger lead off of first, knowing that it's unlikely that a throw is going to come over. But what about the catcher? and what they can do in terms of uh, calling for uh, a pitch out, in terms of a back pick after they receive a pitch, things like that. How does that play into this? And uh, Marmel said that catchers absolutely will have a larger role in limiting would-be base dealers. Back picks of guys extending their lead and get kind of getting into no man's land if they don't do it properly. And then um, in order to not pick off or just anticipating what the opposition is trying to do, I think you'll see a couple more pitch outs. And when it comes specifically to the Cardinals and the skill set of Wilson Contreras, you know, we talk a lot about what he does from a defensive standpoint. One area he absolutely excels in defensively is the strength of his arm. He has a very, very good throwing arm, and Marmel believes that uh, Contreras is going to be able to take advantage of these rules. I think we got the right guy for it. So, yeah, even with uh, disengagement rules, there's, there's some strategy around depending on what amount of pickoff you're on, taking a larger lead. Um, it it kind of helps to have a guy that can back pick really well, probably one of the best in the league at it, to keep guys from expanding too much with their primary and secondaries. So, um, yeah, I think it, it plays a part. Let's talk a little bit about the center field spot. We've talked a lot about that this week. Really, it all started when we uh, learned earlier in the week that uh, Tyler O'Neill absolutely is uh, competing for the starting center field job. It could go to him. It could go to Dylan Carlson. It could go to Lars Newtbar. And Marmel said that all three are going to play a fair amount of center field during spring training games. We're going to want to see a combination of Dylan, Newt, and uh, O'Neill competing for that center field job and see uh, what makes the most sense. Speaking specifically to Dylan Carlson, and you know, clearly the Cardinals think very highly of Carlson. I got into a couple social media, Twitter conversations earlier in the week, and I should probably avoid being in those type of conversations sometimes, especially when it feels like uh, you're talking with people who are not looking for a real conversation, but looking to just uh, be trolls. But nonetheless, when you think about the outfield and you think about Dylan Carlson, you think about Tyler O'Neill. Even though O'Neill had a really tough season last year, you could still argue his offensive numbers were better than Carlson. Uh, his OPS was just a little bit better than Carlson last year. Now, there were the reports. They weren't completely true, but there were some reports when uh, there were some trade talks going on that the Cardinals, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, that stopped some moves potentially being made was the idea that they weren't going to move on from Dylan Carlson. I think we've learned since then that that's not exactly true, and it's not the way things went down. But what those kind of reports do indicate you to you is just how highly the Cardinals do think about Dylan Carlson. So he's a big key in this whole thing. All the while, we've talked about the competition. We've talked about the fact that if a Jordan Walker makes this team, you're going to put him in the outfield, and he's going to play every day. So that means one of these three other guys 
won't be playing uh, every day. So specifically to Carlson, there was some pressure on him to uh, put together a really good offseason. And Marmel said that Carlson did do all the work in the offseason uh, to put himself in a position where he can take a step forward this year. He's up uh, 12, 14 pounds. He's increased upper body strength by 10%. And lower body is stronger. So, yeah, there's been improvements in, in a, several different areas. And that's what he was tasked with is uh, exactly that. So we're wanting to continue to see improvements in all of those areas and see how it translates to overall exit velocity and, and power. So, yeah. Last couple things from uh, Oliver Marmel. A couple bullpen pitchers were uh, talked about, uh, specifically Hennessy's uh, Cabrera. He threw for uh, the first time yesterday, and Marmel very much liked what uh, he saw from him. Velo was up, which was good. Um, a little slider he was throwing that he introduced at the end of last year. Um, was tight and it looked good. Uh, he's been landing his off speed well. But the biggest thing for Cabby, when you look at when he's effective and when he's not, um, it has a lot less to do with some of the shape of his stuff as much as just Cabello. When he gets swing and miss whenever, and all his stuff plays better, whenever he's above that 95 mark and um, he's shown the ability to pitch at 97, 98, uh, when he's 93 to 94, 95, it's not the same guy. So, biggest thing we're monitoring with him is his ability to ramp it up there so it's it's a little bit of it's early so you don't want him just kind of rear back and letting it all eat but he did touch I think he was 95 96 yesterday and it's perfect and then there was a question about uh, Drew Verhagen and what he potentially can do working out of the bullpen I think he has the ability to fill a couple different roles depending on how well he performs during spring training. Um, but this is a guy, when you look at just the quality of his pitches and what he's able to do, there's real swing and stuff there. Like, I've been extremely impressed with the way he's gone about it um, and what the stuff looks like on the side and against hitters. So uh, we'll be able to take another peek at that today. But this is a guy that has real swing and stuff that could throw some pretty leverage situations for us. So that was Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel speaking earlier today. Again, the Cardinals, we're almost there. We have almost arrived to the first spring training game. That's going to be coming up on Saturday when they match up against the Nationals. We will have that for you right here on KMOX. It's a really busy sports weekend uh, for us and for us adjacent, I guess you can say. Uh, we'll have the Cardinals and the Billikens on Saturday. And then City SC, they open up their season on Saturday as well. And uh, you'll be able to hear that uh, on our sister station, Y98, the new home for uh, City SC. But yeah, Cardinals baseball, it's here Saturday. John Rooney, Ricky Horton will be on the call here on KMOX and across the Cardinals radio network. We'll take a break, come back, we'll wrap up this edition of Sports Open Line as we broadcast from the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center in Jupiter, Florida and Cardinals Spring Training. This is a Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. Starting to wrap up this edition of Sports Open Line here on KMOX. We will uh, be back with you for another full two-hour program tomorrow night. I got a press release from the XFL, and I thought this was really interesting. Obviously, earlier in the week, uh, we spent a fair amount of time uh, talking about the XFL and what the Battlehawks were able to do. It wasn't just St. Louis folks who were uh, paying attention to what was going on uh, with the Battlehawks. All the numbers, from a, both from a TV viewing standpoint and also from a, a digital imprint uh, standpoint, really good for the XFL in their first weekend. Uh, X 
XFL 2023 was trending number one nationally on Saturday. And then on Sunday when the Battle Hawks were playing, A.J. McCarron and uh, Kaka uh, were both trending in the top 10 nationally. So two uh, Battle Hawks things were trending in the top 10 nationally uh, on, on Sunday during that game. On linear television, the audience was able to peak at 2.3 million during that San Antonio-St. Louis game. The average audience across the four games was 1.3 million, and that does not include anybody who was watching on ESPN uh, on ESPN Plus streaming. So that's a really good first weekend. Now, what does that mean? Let, let's see what the numbers look like moving forward. Like, remember. XFL 1.0, like way back in the day, they had a fantastic first weekend and then they fell off like no other. XFL 2.0, again, a lot of people watched the first weekend. It stuck around. It was a little bit better. I would think that this has a little bit more staying power than uh, some of the other leagues, but there's going to be a lot of people who just go watch it for the first time because it's there for the first time. But that's a that's a really successful first week to be sure for the XFL. So kudos to everybody involved with that, and glad to see St. Louis kind of leading the way. All right, that's it for this edition of Sports Open Line. Thanks so much for being tuned in. We'll talk to you again tomorrow from Jupiter here on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.